This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. We are currently walking through the Gospel of John. So we took a little break last week, headed back into it this week with John chapter 5. So we're going to... So we're going to continue for the next several weeks, um, continue walking through this gospel, take a few more breaks here or there as appropriate. So John chapter five, ladies, um, if you haven't read it recently, you know what, hit pause on the podcast right now, go read it and then come back um, because I don't want to take up time reading the entire thing. We're going to pause on certain sections, certain verses or whatever. Um, But go read this whole chapter, do this before each of the episodes, you know, pause us, you know, hit pause, pick up your Bible, read the chapter that we're discussing, and then come back and hit play so that it's all fresh in your mind. All right, ladies, we're going to jump right in. John chapter five, um, I'm looking at the first 18 verses. First of all, this chapter is just, it's just filled with so much good stuff. But I'm going to say that about like every single chapter. I just, and I know I've said this as we've started walking through John, I have such a renewed excitement for this particular gospel. Um, And I don't have a specific reason why other than God has just instilled that in me over the past several weeks. And I just, I love reading it over and over again. I just find myself at night, I go back and I read and I reread the same chapter just to get what I can out of it because there's so much, even though it's narrative, there's so much there and it's about Jesus. And I just love meeting and re-meeting and getting to know Jesus better and better through these particular verses here that the Apostle John left for us. And remember, ladies, that he tells us at the end of his book that the reason that he wrote this particular gospel and recorded what he recorded was specifically so that you, the reader, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And um, as we said at the outset, I think that's what has sparked such an interest in me is just kind of a new focus on that particular purpose of this book that John so clearly lays out for us and reading the book in light of that. I don't often hear the book of John taught in light of that purpose statement and that what has is what has just struck me. So anyway, John chapter five, first 18 verses. You know, when I read this, I see such compassion coming from Jesus. He has this disregard for man's stupid laws. So here we have the, um, the, the man who was paralyzed. He was an invalid for 38 years. And he's sitting here. It says uh, in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there's a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. And it's 
it's kind of interesting to me. I was reading this again last night. The detail just there in verse two uh, has five roofed colonnades and um, just the detail was interesting to me, but don't worry, there's no like secret code significance to that. So we're not going to pause on that. Just notice the detail that John provides for us. But then he starts talking about this man who was there for 38 years and Jesus comes up to him and says, do you want to be healed? And there's this idea that you have to go down into the pool when it's stirred up. I think elsewhere we see that, you know, there was a, a myth that an angel came and stirred up the pool. And so then you go down into the pool and you could get healed. And Jesus says to the man, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once, at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. So there's just such compassion here. And John tells us there at the end of verse 9, he says, oh, by the way, it was the Sabbath. Uh-oh problems, right? Problems. And so this man, he gets up and, and is walking and is carrying his bed, but uh-oh, that's work. You just disobeyed a man-made law. And so the Jews, the Pharisees, they say, you know, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. This man's like, oh, listen, I've been laying paralyzed for 38 years. This guy told me to get up and walk and I can. So trust me, I'm going to do it. I don't care what day of the week it is. And he says, you know, the man who healed me, he said, take up your bed and walk. And then they want to know who that was. And the man didn't know because Jesus had withdrawn at that point. Now, ladies, I mean, do you realize that these, the Jews here are more concerned about the fact that the man was carrying his bed than about the fact that he can walk after being paralyzed for 38 years? I mean, that is a sure sign of a false shepherd. If he's more concerned that his rules are being broken or disregarded, then he is that God has done an amazing, magnificent, miraculous work. And then notice that Jesus doesn't leave it here. He didn't just heal him and check out. No, he finds the man and he also heals him spiritually. In verse 14, he says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And then we see in verse 16 that the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus makes the point to say that, well, my father is working and I am working. So if the father and I are working on the Sabbath, it's okay. But then we see in verse 18 what it's really about. Verse 18, this, is why, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus made himself equal with God because he is God. They are one and the same. They are both worthy of honor, as we'll see a little bit later here. In verses 19 through 29, Jesus teaches on this very thing, teaches about his own authority because of his relationship to the Father and because of who he is. He is God incarnate. He is God himself. And if we look down to verse 24, ladies, we, say, we, we hear Jesus say, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I mean, this is gospel. This is Jesus proclaiming the gospel. Go back to verse 21. As the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to, the, to whom he will. And um, can I just interject there? The Son gives life to whom he will. Salvation is all a work of God. 
it's not based on your decision. And so in these verses, verses 19 through 29, Jesus just reaffirms his authority and reaffirms and reestablishes that he himself is God and he is equal with the Father because he is God. And then he gives the gospel and going back again to verse 24, ladies, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. I have written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so we have this gospel, we have this call to believe in Jesus Christ. And then in verses 28 and 29, at the end of the section, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is the ultimate you know, culmination of time that Jesus is describing. And he's telling us very clearly that there is a resurrection of life and a resurrection of judgment. There are only two choices. It's very black and white. And then we go on to the last section, verses 30 through 47, where we have, you know, Jesus has just taught on who he is and on his authority and on his relationship to God the Father. And now he's he's verifying it with witnesses. You know, two or three witnesses. And he's like, okay, here we go. I got witnesses for you. Um, he's saying, okay, well, we can start with John the Baptist because he bore witness about me. Verse 35, he, John the Baptist, was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have, says Jesus, is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Again, kind of going back to that purpose statement of John, that he recorded these particular works so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing have life in his name. So the works that Jesus is doing, those testify to who he is. They testify to the reality that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God himself. In verse 37, he says, the father who sent me, he has borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, this, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. So now there's a condemnation. You don't believe in the father. You're giving lip service to it. But if you believed in him, you would believe in me because he sent me. And Jesus goes on in verse 39, and he's, of course, speaking to the Jews who were persecuting him because he was calling himself equal with God. And he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? I mean, Jesus, really, people probably just didn't like him. Well, obviously they didn't. They were persecuting him. I mean, he's really blunt to these false teachers, these Pharisees, and yet so compassionate with sinners and those who are seeking. And, um, you know, I think that's, 
I think that's something we can take away. And I think what we also need to look at is to be careful to label people false teachers. If their gospel isn't wrong, um, then we need to be compassionate and loving about the things that we may disagree with them on, on certain things. And we can have um, spirited conversations based on scripture as to why we may disagree with them on certain points. But accusing and condemning someone who, you know, if they are not for us, they're if they're not against us, they're for us. That's not helping anybody's argument. And so I think we can take an example from Jesus here, um, particularly when we see his interaction with sinners and the compassion um, instead of the finger pointing and the the belittling um, that we sometimes may see. There's a compassion there because they need to be saved. And we were all there once before. But here with the Pharisees, they, they do have another gospel. They have a gospel of works. And so he's very, very blunt with them. Verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. They're so certain they're keeping all of Moses's rules and Moses, you know, he's number one. And Jesus is like, yeah, but Moses testified about me and you don't believe in me. So Moses accuses you. Verse 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Very telling, very interesting. And as a note there with that particular comment about the writings of Moses, we can't throw away the Old Testament and keep Jesus. I know we've heard that in recent years. Jesus is all over the Old Testament. That's kind of the point. The entire Bible points to Christ. And so you can't throw it away and still have Jesus because you lose a huge, huge chunk of who he is and what he's done and of his history and his story that points us to him today. Okay, ladies, as an endorsement for this week, uh, you know what? Here's what I'm endorsing this week. Honey roasted cashews. Um, I have no particular brand in mind um, because the ones that I've purchased have just kind of been like the ones that you buy in bulk at the grocery store. Um, Or actually, I got some at um, when I was in Amish country a couple months ago, and they were the best. They were amazing. And I wish I could have more, but it's kind of a far drive. So do not eat these if you have absolutely no self-control, but the thing is cashews are really good for you. You know, nuts are really, really healthy. They have those good fats in them. There's protein. So nuts are good for you. And you know, a little tinge of honey, that's not bad. Honey is good for you too. So honey roasted cashews, um, those are amazing. So if you're looking for a semi-healthy snack, I highly recommend (laughs) Honey roasted cashews. There you go. I've told you not every endorsement will be a theological book or blog. Uh, And so there you go. Go enjoy your honey roasted cashews. As a parting thought, ladies, Jesus is power and life. We see it in this John chapter five, his power to heal, his power to save. And my question for you and for me is, do these stories awe us, A-W-E, like they should? Do they strike us? fresh when we read them or have we 
just kind of become inoculated to them because we're so familiar with them. And so it's something I encourage you to pray about that God would just show you his word fresh every day, every time you read. And, you know, it's not going to necessarily happen every time you open your Bible, but, you know, let's really try not to gloss over these stories because we've read them. Let's look at the details. Let's see what God is telling us and how he's teaching us and revealing himself to us in his word. Well, that's it for today, ladies. Until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening.